Just share a few thoughts, which I've already started to do. I was already preaching uh, during the praise and worship there. Parallels of Pentecost. The parallels of Pentecost. Today is Pentecost Sunday. And I'm not preaching on Pentecost Sunday just because, well, that's the name of this particular spiritual or religious season. First of all, while we don't always understand everything that is written, God doesn't do one thing just for the sake of being religious. Everything has meaning. God is not a meaningless, purposeless God. He does things with purpose. He does things with reason. He does things with meaning. And uh, <clears throat> as I was uh, waiting on the Lord and thinking about this message today for Pentecost Sunday, the Lord brought to my uh, thoughts and to my spirit the parallel between Moses as a type and a foreshadow of Christ. The parallel before, between Moses and Jesus. Moses walked in the delegated authority and the power of God. Moses tried to run from the call of God. We try to run from the call of God. We want the blessing, but we just want to mind our own business and go to work and live our lives. Don't use God. Don't use God. He is not there for our wind-up pleasure. God has a purpose. God has a purpose. And God wants to be an integral part of your life and of my life. And for those of you that are watching, I don't want to use God. I want to be used of God. Can I get an amen? Absolutely. And so Moses walked in the delegated authority and the power of God. When Moses was running away, he went to the backside of the desert. He tried to do things in his own strength. Here he was raised up as an adopted son in Pharaoh's courts. And he wants to set his people free. And he gets into an argument with a, an Egyptian and he kills him. He knows darn right that Pharaoh is going to have his head and so Moses takes off. But he was running from the call of God. The call of God looked ugly and messy, but Moses was trying to do it in his own strength. That will always happen. Uh, but Moses comes to a burning bush, and this bush is not being consumed. And uh, as Moses is at that burning bush, he has this interaction with God. And God says, I want you to go back. And God starts to speak to Moses. He gives him a rod of authority and he puts his authority on him. He puts his power on him. And Moses says, who am I going to tell Pharaoh that I sent me? Who, you know, who are you? And God says, tell him, I am that I am sent you. And Moses says, well, how am I going to prove myself or prove you that you've called me and that you want to take all of his 
uh, labor force, all the slave labor, and you want to bring them to a promised land, how am I going to get Pharaoh who built his empire and the Pharaohs before him on the backs of the descendants of Abraham? And God said, when you stand before Moses and you declare who I am, I want you to throw your rod down. The rod represents authority. I want you to throw your rod down and it'll turn into a snake. So Moses goes before Pharaoh, tells him that God wants to set his people free. And uh, he throws the rod down and it turns into a snake. And Pharaoh has his magicians nearby and they throw their rods down and they turn into snakes. The phenomenal difference was that Moses' snake ate up all the other snakes. There is authority, and then there's the supernatural power that backs up the authority. God gave Moses the authority, and he gave him the supernatural power that backs up the authority. So Moses walked in the delegated authority and the power of God. Jesus walked in the delegated authority and the power of God. When they were in the wilderness, they're on their exodus out of Egypt on their way to the promised land. Serpents started to come. The people had sinned. They had uh, violated God's rules. And serpents started to come and bite them and poison them and kill them. And God said to Moses, raise up the staff, put a serpent on it, a bronze serpent, and raise up the staff. And as people look on it, they will be healed. Listen to me. Jesus said the same way that Moses raised up his staff, so shall the Son of Man be raised up also. And there is always power in the cross. Not just the power to save you spiritually, the power to save you, period. Let's stop being editors to the Word of God. Let's stop subtracting. Let's stop doing what an editor does. We're not here to condense the Word of God. We're not here to subtract from the Word of God. The power of God is not just to forgive your sins. Thank God for that. The power of God is not just to save you. Thank God for that. But the power of God is for our daily living. As the people of Israel came out of Egypt, God wanted to set his people free from oppression and from cruelty and from hardship. You've been set free from the kingdom of darkness. But that wasn't the only miracle that God did with the people of Israel. As they journeyed through life, he continued to manifest his glory and release his miraculous power and interventions in their lives. Sometimes... In sections or segments of the church, we want to subtract the miraculous from God. Oh, well, God can do it if and when he feels like it. This is what I know. The Apostle Paul says in Corinthians, if the old covenant came with glory, and that was a covenant that brought death, it could not change a man. The law didn't have the power to change a man. All the law could do was show you you were a sinner. It didn't have the power to change you on the inside. If the old covenant that could only produce death came with the glory of God, came with miraculous manifestations, how much more glory comes with the new covenant? 
the people of Israel came out of the kingdom of darkness. Yeah, I'm referring to Egypt at that time as representative of the kingdom of darkness. But their whole life with God was a life of miraculous interventions. And a life of intersections where they would meet God and God would do supernatural things. And God did supernatural things through Moses. He delegated his authority, governmental authority, and he backed it up with supernatural power. So Moses walked in the delegated authority and the power of God. Jesus walked in delegated authority and power of God. Moses delivered Abraham's natural descendants from the oppression of Egypt. Jesus delivered Abraham's spiritual descendants from the oppression of Egypt the kingdom of darkness. There's an interesting story as they're making their journey through the wilderness, and it's in Numbers chapter 11. And the Lord said to Moses, verse 16 and 17, and then I'm going to read verses 24 to 29. And the Lord said to Moses, Moses was complaining, the work is too much on me. And God says, I want you to write a list of 70 men, 70 leaders, and I'm going to take some of my spirit that's on you and I'm going to put it on them. Moses had the authority and he had the spirit of power. And he did signs and wonders. And so uh, the Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people and have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. And I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take some of the spirit that is on you. Two words I want you to notice, some of the spirit and the word on you. And put it on them, and they will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Verse 24, so when Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said, he brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. And then the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke with him and took some of the power of the spirit that was on him, Moses, and put it on the 70 elders. And when the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. But they did not continue to do so, or they did not do it again after that time. In the Old Testament, we see the Spirit of God coming on the prophets. And when the Spirit came on the prophets, they would prophesy. They would do miraculous things. They moved in the supernatural. If the old covenant came with the miraculous, if the old covenant came showing the power of God, how much more, Paul reasons, the new covenant should come with the fullness of the power and the glory of the same God. Can I get an agreement? Sometimes spiritual sounding arguments are really satanic sabotaging arguments. Why do I say that? In verse 29, uh, in verse 28, Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since his youth, spoke up and he said to Moses, stop them. There were two men that were on the list as part of the 70 and they didn't come to the meeting at the tent. 
And so they were in the camp. And when the Spirit of God fell on these men, these leaders, the two men that were in the camp started prophesying also. Joshua hears it and he goes running to Moses. Moses, Moses, there's two men in the camp that are prophesying. Stop them. And Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? Are you taking offense on my behalf? I wish that all the Lord's people, all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. It's very interesting that when the Apostle Paul writes about the gifts of the Spirit, he very clearly says, I pray and I would hope that the spirit of prophecy comes on you all. In the Old Testament, we see a portion of the Spirit of God coming on the shoulders of men and women. And there's a very uh, theological reason for that. They were not... <clears throat> Every, every year, Passover, sacrifice would be made. And in faith, the blood of bulls and goats were holding them over. God said, David said, God's not satisfied with the blood of bulls and goats. The blood of a sacrificial lamb, the blood of an innocent animal, symbolically was washing away their sins. But that was just a type, a shadow, a pattern of the real thing that was yet to come. God himself became flesh. And he became the sacrificial lamb in the body of Jesus Christ. And until that time, man was covered over by the blood, but he wasn't sanctified. When the blood of Jesus was shed for you and me, the blood of Jesus washes away our sin and it breaks the power of sin. Can I get an amen? amen? Absolutely. Moses delegated his authority to 70 leaders. Jesus delegated his authority to 70 disciples. God put some of the Holy Spirit on the leaders and they prophesied in the New Testament. God put all of the Holy Spirit in the people and they spoke in tongues. The prophet Joel in chapter 2 verse uh, 28 to 29 this is what Joel prophesies and afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Listen God was wanting and God has desired and God has restored his outpouring of his precious Holy Spirit on his church. And we, you, every born again believer is the church of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. He goes on and he says, and you young men will see visions even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Well, in the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, what happened? Acts chapter 2. In Luke 19, Jesus said to his disciples after he rose from the dead, don't forget, I told you about the promise that my father was going to give you. 
Don't forget, the promise of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. How many of you know that it's not a good thing to break your promise? Oh, I guess we got a lot of promise breakers here. I said, how many of you know it's not a good thing to break your promise? Even amongst humans, mere mortals, fallible people, it's not a good thing to break promises. You don't get a very good reputation by breaking promises. So if God gives a promise, is he going to break it? And Jesus says to them, right after he resurrects, he says, don't forget that I've talked to you about the Holy Spirit and God has promised to put him on you, to give you the Holy Spirit. And so then he encouraged them to go to Jerusalem, to go to the uh, upper room and to stay there until the Holy Spirit came. The disciples didn't know what they were looking for. They didn't know what to expect. In verse one from chapter two, when the day of Pentecost came, today is Pentecost. They were together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire and they separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. Here we see Jesus had delegated his authority to the 12 disciples. Then he delegated his authority to 70 disciples. And then he says, now after he rises, he says, you will receive power from on high. That word power is dunamis, supernatural, miraculous ability. The same way God took some of the Holy Spirit that was on Moses, that enabled him to have authority and supernatural power, God took some of it and put it on the 70 elders. But in the new covenant, after Jesus went to the cross and he went to the belly of hell and he took the keys of hell and death and he took the crown off of every demon, that's why he's king of kings and lord of lords. After he made a display of the powers of darkness and rendered them powerless on their own turf, he rises from the grave, uh, uh, appears to his disciples, tells them to wait for the Holy Ghost. He's already delegated his authority to them. And now on the day of Pentecost, God by his Holy Spirit sends his power not on the disciples or the believers. He fills them with the Holy Ghost. And there is a major difference between the Old Testament and the New. The Holy Ghost was on them and they did supernatural things. Today, the Holy Spirit has been given so that he's not just on us, he is in us, hallelujah. The church of Jesus Christ is not just a church of theology, it is a church of the demonstration of the power of God. Amen. Solomon built the temple, wanted to make a beautiful house for God. I mentioned this earlier during worship. 
They recovered the ark from the Philistines. And the day that the temple was being dedicated, they bring the ark back into the Holy of Holies. And in a very short scripture in 2 Chronicles, the whole story is phenomenal, but for sake of time, 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13 to 14. It came even to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as one. I'm reading from the King James translation. I'll tell you why in a moment. It came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice and the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, for he is good. I think we sang that song today. He is good and his mercy endureth forever. That, that then, the house, the house, the temple was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. Stop. Isn't it interesting that God would put his spirit on men's shoulders, but he filled the house with his spirit. The temple was dedicated to the Lord and it was meant to be kept holy. But men's lives continued to sin. They were covered over by faith by the blood of bulls and goats. But the blood of Jesus sanctified you. The blood of Jesus made you legally okay to carry the Holy Spirit of God. And so here the temple was filled with the Spirit. And here in the King James in verse 14 it says, um, the house was filled, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Now, in the New King James translation and in the NIV, they say, could not perform their ministry. But there's a footnote. And when you read it and look up the footnote, it says it literally means they could not stand in the presence of God. When that ark came back into the Holy of Holies, the power and the glory of God filled that temple. Men and women felt it, it was on them, but it never came in them. The presence of God was so strong they could barely stand under that anointing. But on the day of Pentecost, something very different happened. I want you to see that as God took Moses and the people out of Egypt, he was building a nation, building a government. He put authority on Moses, and he put supernatural power on Moses. Moses delegated authority to 70 men, and, the God, and God put his Holy Spirit, some of his Holy Spirit, on them. And they touched the supernatural. As the nation of Israel was established, prophets routinely with the Spirit of God on them did miraculous things and prophesied and saw uh, into the future, heard the word of the Lord, uh, raised the dead, multiplied food for widows, etc., etc. But the Spirit of God was only on them. Mo 
uh, Solomon builds the temple, beautiful temple, glorious, lines the walls with gold, and the Spirit of God filled the temple, but he couldn't fill his sons. On the day of Pentecost, the transition was that the church went from being the temple made of brick and mortar to the temple being made of flesh and blood. And the same way the glory of God was in that temple, even more so, the glory and the power of God is in you and I. As we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, listen, I want to tell you today and I want to encourage you today, whether you're watching by live stream or you're here in this congregation, there is more. There is more. If you have not received this supernatural experience, look, the first and most important thing is to be born again, to ask Jesus Christ into your heart. But this is Pentecost Sunday, so I'm preaching about another phase of our walk with God. God wants to have a supernatural relationship with you, and he wants to have supernatural interaction with you. And he doesn't want you to go to church. He wants you to be the church. And that phrase has become common now in the religious world across the United States of America. We don't go to church. We are the church. I wonder who thought that up. But anyway, you know, you and I are meant to be the church of Jesus Christ. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We are the wineskins. And if we get so caught up with ourselves, if we get caught up with arrogance, if we get caught up with religiosity, with form and ritual and tradition, it becomes a wineskin that is no longer flexible. It is no longer subtle, supple. It is no longer pliable in God's hands and it cannot carry the wine of the Spirit of God. If you know anything about wine and the process of making wine, I grew up among Italians in Australia and they used to bottle the wine that they would make in glass flagons and every so often you would hear explosions in the garage because as the wine was fermenting, it would literally blow flagons of glass apart. As wine, uh, as the grape juice becomes wine, it goes through a fermenting process and there's expansion and dried out old wineskins will blow out. Listen to me, church. I'm believing for a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit not somewhere in the distant future right now. I want you to see that God's intention was not for you to go to church. We are the church. Of course, the Apostle Paul said, don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. So when you guys online are feeling a little bit more comfortable about COVID, come on back. The Bible says it's important that we rub shoulders together, that we worship together. If your Christianity is only based on convenience, let me tell you, when the world becomes inconvenience, you will not have a solid foundation. We need to come together, but 
The important truth that every one of us needs to know is that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, the delegated authority that Jesus has, you have, because he gave us authority and he released his Holy Spirit and baptized us in the Holy Ghost so that you and I can walk the earth as sons of God in the exousia, the governmental authority of Jesus Christ and in the dunamis, the supernatural power that comes through the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a clap. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning as we conclude. I'm also going to ask the whole worship team, if you would, come on to the platform. I'm going to do something a little bit different today. But I want to stir every believer's heart. Why should miracles have ceased when Jesus said, the things I've done you will do also and greater? Why should miracles cease when miracles continued all through the Old Testament? Why should miracles cease when the Old Testament brought a law that could only produce death, but Jesus Christ brought a law that sets us free and gives us liberty. Hallelujah. Why shouldn't we see miracles today and move in the prophetic and move in the supernatural? It's normal, it's natural, and it's full of the Holy Ghost that enables us to do that. Amen. I want you to start pushing into God and start realizing who you are. The glory of God comes down when we come together because when many join their faith and their worship together, it multiplies. But you are a carrier of the Holy Ghost. You are a carrier of the authority that was on Jesus Christ. You are a carrier of the power that is in heaven. You and I have been delegated to revolutionize this world. Look, in the natural men and women get frustrated with injustice and they take to the streets and they will burn buildings and they will shout and they will demonstrate and they're hoping to bring a revolution but the greatest power of revolution is the power of the Holy Spirit of God in you and me I hear politicians on both sides if you want to see change, go and vote. If you want to see change, go and vote. You can make a difference, go vote. If you want to see things get turned around, go and vote. Don't demonstrate in the streets. Well, hear the man of God and hear the Spirit of God. You want to see change? Start to pray. You want to see change? You want a revolution in America? Then humble yourself. Stop fighting for your rights and start crying out to God. All over America, the church of Jesus Christ needs to get its heart right. We need to humble ourselves. We need to cry out to God for the atrocities that have been taking place in our streets, for the injustice, the inequalities. We need to cry out to God for the anger that is in our political uh, government on both sides. We need to cry out to God and say, God, 
America's where America's at because your church isn't where she's supposed to be at. And when you and I come back to the honest sincerity of living for God with all of our hearts, when this temple allows the Spirit of God to fill it again, then the church of Jesus Christ will have influence over the United States of America and the nations of the world. I want to stir you today. I want to excite you today. I want to inform you today. I want to move you today. Don't be someone who just goes to church. Understand that in God's grand scheme of things, he didn't want to live in a tabernacle in the desert, and he didn't want to live in Solomon's gold mausoleum. He wants to live in flesh and blood, and he wants you to move in the power of his spirit. A simple prayer. You put your hand on the sick and believe God. You pray for your daughter. You pray for your son. You command the powers of darkness to shut up and back off. The church is God's answer through Jesus Christ. If that weren't the truth, then Jesus never would have given you the analogy that you're the light. And he never would have given us the analogy that we're the salt. And he never would have delegated his authority. And he never would have released his Holy Spirit on the church. You and I, by the power of Christ who is in us, we're called to be the miracle workers. We're called to be the world changers. Now I'm gonna say something, if I've been going good now, I might lose some of you, but I'm gonna say it anyway. We as Americans are too American. You should vote and you should be involved in politics. But I'd love to see as many Christian Americans who vote fill the prayer meetings. When I see that prayer meetings have just but a few people in it, but most Americans, usually 70% or better, will go to the voting booth, and you should, then I think to myself the Christian Americans have more confidence in their government than they have confidence in the government of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I didn't think that would get as many claps. I have never preached to be popular. I've preached to be a mouthpiece for my father. Listen, he loves you. He loves me. He loves us. No, this isn't about condemnation. It's not about trying to put a guilt trip on anybody. But it is about shaking ourselves so that we come out of our slumber, come out of our complacency. Stop putting your shoulders back and saying, America's a great country. I've traveled the world. I'd rather live here. But we're in a mess. 
I love America. I love America. And it's still one of the best places, I think the best place to live. I love America. But I am not an American first. I am a son of God. And I'm gonna live according to the principles of the kingdom of God. Prejudice, hate, gossip, racism, injustice, inequality, those are diabolical tools of the kingdom of darkness. And don't call yourself a Christian when you watch what happens in our streets and then you wait for election time. Listen to me, church. I'm not trying to get political here. I'm trying to get spiritual. I want to move the church of Jesus Christ a few degrees away from their American politics and get them closer to the throne room so that we become spirit-filled people who understand that there is great authority and power in us through Jesus Christ. And the glory of God doesn't just sit in the building. The glory of God is in you. The power and the authority of God is in you. Can I get an amen? I urge every one of you, and wherever you're watching from, and right now, right here, I urge every one of you, don't wait for the pastors. Don't wait for them to do it. Together, we are the body of Jesus Christ. This is a great time to get on our knees and cry out and say, God, come on, this America needs a fresh move of your Holy Spirit. And I don't mean, oh, let's have some nice religious services. No, there needs to be a revolution in the streets. There needs to be a revival, not of anger, not of hate, not of burning buildings, but the sons of God stepping away from sinfulness, selfishness, complacency, and everything else that makes us dumb and mute, deaf and mute. And we need to get on our knees and cry out to God, send the rain, send revival, send your power. Every one of us, start believing God. You're full of the Holy Ghost. You're full of the Holy Ghost. Believe that in the name of Jesus, demons have to flee. Start attending prayer meetings, absolutely. Be annoyed at me, I don't care. If I don't say it, my father's gonna be annoyed at me. Jesus said, my house should be a house of prayer for the nations. So get upset with me. Maybe cross me off your list, don't visit again, don't come back, I don't know. But I will not pander to human desire. I have a responsibility before God, and that is to preach the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I know that if I make people happy when I preach, I can have a church of a couple of thousand. I want to make God happy. I want to see the church on fire. Compromise will never lead to fire. Convenience will never lead to fire. Half-hearted preaching will never lead to fire. Conviction doesn't come with maybes. Conviction comes with the determination to take drastic action. I love America. I love this country, but I also love the countries of the world. And the only way they're going to get any help 
It's not from the World Health Organization or from our government or the United Nations or any other government. You're the answer. Do you understand God vested his Holy Spirit in you because he meant you to be the answer? You're meant to be the eyes and the ears, the heart and the hands of God. The power of God is in us. Let's not fight amongst ourselves. Let's not be divisive about COVID-19. Let's rally together at the trumpet of God's word and let's stand united and become a people that step out of complacency, step out of uh, our flesh, step out of half-heartedness. Come on, I've got to shape myself. I've been writing a new manual for year two on healing. And as I've been writing it and the Spirit of God's been coming on me. I've been saying to myself, Father, I repent. I have gotten a little bit sleepy and I want to start pushing into your power more and more and more and more. And I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm not too proud to say it. Every one of us from time to time. Hey, listen, every morning you have to wake yourself up. So in the Spirit, at times we have to wake ourselves up. Let's get real. Don't get religious. Don't get offended. Don't get upset. Let's just get full of the Holy Ghost. Can I get it? Amen. Amen. Every eye closed. If you have never asked Jesus in your heart, if you've walked away from God, I'm going to tell you right now, the turmoil that's in our streets is in people's lives. You wouldn't have turmoil in the streets if you didn't have turmoil in people's lives. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. You need to ask Jesus in your heart. He's the answer. He'll change you and he'll change the world around you. Your immediate world. But you've got to surrender to him first. While every eye is closed, whether by live stream or here in this building, if you want to ask Jesus in your heart, come on, raise your hand right now and say, I need that. I want Jesus Christ to come into my heart. All right. Awesome. And those of you that are watching, just you, you could let us know on Facebook that you're saying yes to Jesus. You could privately inbox the church so everyone else doesn't have to see. But make that commitment right now. Everyone repeat after me. Dear God. I believe you love me. I need you. Jesus Christ, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you, Jesus Christ, to be my Lord and Savior. I accept you. I've messed up. I've sinned. I need you in my life and I'm handing my life over to you I receive you I receive your leadership and your direction in my life take control thank you father for hearing my prayer in Jesus name amen amen